All right, everybody, it's No Driving Gloves back, and we're going to ask a question today. Does your automotive hobby need to take some Adderall? Do we all have automotive ADHD, or is it just John and Derek? We'll be back after this. Knowledge and controversy share the same seat. Buckle up and hang on for the ride. Now for your host for No Driving Gloves, John and Derek. What do you mean take some Adderall? I don't understand that. I, I didn't think, you know, are we encouraging drug use in the car hobby? No, I didn't. I, I didn't say cocaine. I said Adderall. And, and we would recommend having a prescription for it. Don't go out and just get some off the street because you don't know what it is. But do you realize cocaine drove one of the most rad eras of the car hobby? Well, that's true. Huh? That maybe that's why we all have a little bit of like ADHD in our automotive hobby, because it's just the residuals of that cocaine era that has us all a little messed up. Thinking, wasn't it? Was it AMG before they were part of Mercedes that actually had the paint color cocaine white? Oh, I don't remember that. I might, but if that's true, I might need to find that color and paint something that color. I like yeah, that. I was thinking that some of the five hundred and sixty SEC wide bodies in that were painted cocaine white. But getting back to away from cocaine and to Adderall. Well, well, before you do that, I, want, I just want to say how proud I am of you and me for not taking the cheap, easy shot on John DeLorean. I believe John DeLorean was mistreated in that. And I just watched a movie recently on DeLorean. It's another new one. And I... Th- I was, we sat down, Brandy and I sat down to watch it and I was ready. I was going, I really don't want to watch this because so many of them are all about him and his cocaine, blah, blah, blah. And this one covered his life and his flamboyance and covered the cocaine deal, but I think depicted it as correct as I've ever seen depicted in a movie. I really wish I could remember what that movie was and what streaming service had it, but... I, you know, cocaine revolved around JD. I don't think it was as bad as, or as involved. Exactly. I mean, that's why I said, you know, I was proud of us, you know, both for not taking the cheap shot because there was so much more behind what was going on than that. He just gets the bad rap for that one thing. Instead of all the other things. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was some bad decisions that were made and unfortunately it left a mark on an incredible life and career that that man had. I mean, John DeLorean did so much that is so good. And uh 
it's unfortunate that he, he gets the bad rap for that one, you know, one moment in time. So one, one, one thing, one mistake, you know, <laughs> way off our topic. Let's go back. Why are you saying we need Adderall, Derek? Why, why should we even introduce that to the car hobby? No, oh, I, I, you know, just, I see so many of us in, in the hobby that although we have a focus on cars and automobiles, maybe sometimes we lose focus and we just find the next fun and, and shiny thing for our collection. And in some cases, like myself, I mean, it's, it's not just cars. I mean, I've, I've started, you know, I collect all things that revolve around the history of automobile, be it uh, antique books about, you know, the automobile from the turn of the century, uh, that being the 1800s to the 1900s, not the turn of the century from the 1900s to the 2000s. But, you know, and then I have, you know, old magic lantern slides with automobiles on them and, uh, you know, just various signage and things like that. So it's like, it just feels sometimes like I, I I can't keep myself focused on exactly what uh, my hobby is and and have it have a very finite direction. Let's call it. And and I see that with a lot of my friends. Uh, we we like to jump around and uh, you know even though we have two or three projects in the wings, we foolishly you know drive two thousand miles to go look at another project that we think we should collect. It's interesting to hear that from a collections manager, museum curator, because, you know, I think, think we all might be guilty of that. I'm guilty of that in a different aspect. And, you know, up until just recently, I always bought a car every year and these are new driving cars. These aren't, these aren't project cars that, I'm stacking up in a barn and stacking up in a barn or anything. These cars, I'm going to buy it, drive it. And, and it's because I get bored with them. You know, I can honestly say I'm probably bored with both of them I have right now, but I have some other goals, which we'll talk about on an upcoming episode that prevent me from maybe changing those out. But we have our hot wheel collections and maybe that's because it all started with 81 cents or 97 cents or a dollar eight, or I think they're a dollar 19 now because I just actually bought six new matchbox cars <laughs> that there's so much to our hobby. It's easy to get distracted. And even when you're a focus collector, it's easy to get distracted because, you know, I know people that their collections are all Mustangs. But then all of a sudden, there's a Ford F100, and then there's a Crown Vic, and then there's a, you know, it's still Ford, but their passion's Mustangs, but they got a good deal on this, or they got a good deal on that. And I'm a sucker for a deal. Should we, as car collectors, learn to focus? Wives, please be quiet. Or significant others, please be there quiet. Goes, say, significant others, because there are some husbands <laughs> out there that have wives that do what we do. Yeah, as I say, <clears throat> significant others, <clears throat> be quiet. But should we 
should we focus or really work on focusing or is this distraction part of any hobby? That's a, that's a solid question right there, John. If I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it that way, you know, and maybe, maybe it's because I'm in the automotive hobby so much that I don't look into what other people's hobbies are and, and what they collect and how they, if, if they stay focused and, uh, you know, or if they have it as well. Although if I was to take my wife as the case study, her, her kind of two hobbies and areas of collecting, uh, as I, I think we've mentioned, uh, I've mentioned on the show before, uh, is uh, old canning jars, fruit jars, you know, what most people refer to as mason jars, although there's a long history behind that term. You know, she's, she's kept a pretty good focus on that, but then she also is a, uh, I would call it a collector of plants. Uh, and one of her big areas of focus is orchids. So, you know, her, her sunroom in the house has numerous plants, but the majority of them are orchids, but she definitely jumps around. She'll, she'll, you know, look at orchids and she likes rare orchids and and trying to find them, but we have other plants than orchids. So maybe it just is every hobby. It's just what piques your interest at the time. And that's my problem. And, and the way I collect cars is if I see something for sale, I don't buy it right away, but I let it sit and I let it, you know, if I forget about it, then it's not for me. But if it just kind of nags at me, right? If it's like, I know this car is for sale and I'm like, okay, well, let me think about it. And if by three, four days later, I forget that the car is for sale and that I even looked at it, then it's not for me. But like in the case of the Hupmobile Speedster that I purchased a year and a half ago or so, a year ago, whenever it was, you know, that was one I knew it was for sale and I couldn't forget about it. It just kept nagging at me. I had to buy it. So that's my problem. I'll find out about something and if it just keeps nagging at me, I'm like, well, might as well buy it. I got room, kind of. So, hey, why not? And you have that massive wealth that you've accumulated over the years. Yeah. But yeah, the question came because I dated somebody that was into knitting, but she was pretty focused on collecting yarns and needles and baskets and everything was related to knitting. Went out with people that are very music focused. So they had record collections and things that went directly with the record collection. So I guess if you're thinking cars, the car, the records are the cars, but then you have the concert posters and ticket stubs and things like that, which I guess is the automobilia that surrounds it. I can't say we had very many knitting posters or, you know, cats knitting pictures and things like that. I don't think we actually had any. I wonder if there's a market for that. But it seems car people are so easily distracted. And again, you and I have always been focused 
into this car hobby, you know, a little bit of the preservation stuff for you. So you, sometimes you wander down a different road, but I really hate it when I'm scrolling, you know, drone scrolling Facebook. And then I notice the little marketplace button at the bottom and I click it. Cigar stuff, houses and cars show up because I'm always looking for one of those things, you know. I guess with my cigar collection, it's pretty focused around cigars. I buy cigars. I don't have much cigar signage. The cigar mobilia, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, I have as because it was a freebie with something else or some, you know, I'm not seeking, I'm not getting on eBay and buying cigar signage and cigar t-shirts and cigar coats and everything I have in my cigar collection is that I've paid for is cigars. Uh, but when it comes to cars, uh, okay, I'm uh, looking. Oh, yeah, I like this CRX. Mm, well, I forgot that this, you know, this car existed, you know, this first generation MR2. And it's really easy. And, you know, fortunately, I don't have the buckets of wealth you do. So I can't just rush out and buy every car I see on Facebook after thinking about it for a year. It's so easy to be distracted. and. Sometimes you come across these things and they're such a deal need to have them. And, you know, maybe we need to think about how it applies in other collecting like cigars, you know, you're talking about cigars, but I think for a lot of us, one of the problems is the reason that we are in the automotive hub and we like automobiles so much is the mechanical nature of them. And I know a lot of folks in the automotive hobby that collect so much other stuff as well because of the mechanical nature of it. Even myself, I have things that are not automotive, but they're mechanical, right? A lot of a lot of automotive collectors, car collectors are also clock guys. So, you know, I mean myself, I have five or six antique clocks around the house. And because I'm fascinated by the, you know, the movement and the mechanical nature of it and, and the gears and, you know, all that. And then I have old, you know, pumps and things off the farm back home. You know, I've got an old water pump and an old uh, hydraulic pump that ran off, you know, hit and miss engines and things like that. And, you know, eventually I need to find a hit and miss engine so I can run those pumps. And it just kind of spirals into all these different directions and i don't know if there's other hobbies out there outside of the let's call it the mechanical world of you know automobiles and machinery and things like that where maybe you have so many paths you could go down and get distracted by i'm sure we're not thinking of some but you know i mean it's i I don't feel like cigars, there's, I think, and John, seeing you're a cigar guy, maybe you can enlighten us, but yeah, I don't feel like there's a lot of paths to wander off other than where the cigar is made, the quality of the cigar, things like that. I don't feel like a cigar collector is necessarily going to go down the path of then being like, oh, well, you know, 
well, maybe I need to collect cigarettes or yeah, it just doesn't feel the same. At least I don't know what your take is. And most cigar guys, I mean, despise any other smoking hobby because all of those are bad for your health where cigar smoking with the exception of one or two diseases is actually better for you. So we, as a cigar person, your cigarettes vape and that, no, that, that doesn't really attract us, but there are cigar people that will collect vintage. Um, I can't think of what it's called on eBay, um, but tobacco related things. So you go back to the twenties, you might get some of people that are collecting some of the old cigarette ads from the twenties or the cigar ads or cigar boxes. And it's, it's probably good that cigar I'm about as passionate about cigars as I am cars because it, you're right. It's, it's a good comparison and there's stuff out there. There's people in the cigar hobby that collects, you know, a lot of people unfortunately collect cigars with the intention of collecting cigars and never smoking them. I sell a lot of very expensive cigars to people that, you know, it's like collecting meat. It's like collecting corn cobs. Um, that's this is look at this corn cob. It's gorgeous. Blah blah blah. It's it's agricultural product. It's going to rot away eventually, unless absolutely stored perfectly until consumed. But there, you know, there's people that will buy lighters like crazy. Oh, a new lighter came out, and this design a lighter, this design, and then cutters, and there are all these things that go alongside it, which easily distracts you. Um, and I'm sure hunting's the same way. Um, I always compare car collecting a lot to hunting in that you know things are expensive no matter what hobby you're in it's expensive but you know you've got your guns you've got your ammunition you've got your clothing and you've got your tree stands and you've got your cameras and you've got your four-wheelers and you've got your side-by-sides so maybe car collecting isn't as adhd as we think it is in comparison to other hobbies maybe hobbies create ADHD in us because we have a passion. I like that. I'm not saying you have ADHD because you have hobbies. I'm saying just the nature of hobbies and your interest so focused in something, you want to have everything that surrounds it. I'm thinking Bruce Wiener. He used to have the micro, a major Mm -hmm. micro car collection Mm -hmm. in Atlanta, Georgia. And his focus was micro cars. But when you toured it, he had vintage arcade machines. He had the automobile signage. He had, you know, the things that surrounded that. They might be signage for Messerschmitt or something, but they were in that vicinity. And of course, since he's part, he gained his wealth through Bubble Yum. Or double bubble, I can't remember which. I'm sorry, Bruce. Uh, he had a whole room dedicated to every everything that was double bubble or bubble yum related. Uh, you know, hats and gun, all the different gum packaging and uh, everything, every toy they ever gave away. So that collection was very focused. It was all bubble yum. But even his focused microcar collection strayed a little bit. But it's very... I think it's very hard to focus on when you're in a hobby, not to focus on the the easy things. 
uh, you know, the, the less expensive when you're into cars, cars take up space and cars require a lot of money just to acquire in most cases. But then all the little stuff that goes around that kind, you know, it's easy to buy a, a poster for 20 bucks or it's easy to buy. Oh, you know, I really like this. It's really easy to go buy a $2 matchbox car or a, $50, 124th scale die cast because I really like this car. Now I'm thinking my dad's automobilia collection, everything in the, his collection, with the exception of Cord 812 stuff, and that's usually my fault because I bought him the Cord 812 stuff over the years. He will not have a die cast. He will not have a Hot Wheel. He will not have a poster of a car he mm. didn't own. So he's got a lot of Viper stuff because he's got his Viper. He's got a lot of VW Beetle stuff because he had a VW Beetle. He's got a lot of Mustang stuff because he's got his Mustang. He's very focused on that, and he doesn't get distracted about, oh, I really, you know, I really like this, say, Prowler. He doesn't go out and buy a die-cast Prowler because he's never owned a Prowler. And I guess that takes some discipline. So I don't know. I like some of you know where you were headed there, John. And you know, is it maybe again? It's just that we are so focused on the automotive sector that we don't realize that it is all hobbies. You know, that all hobbies have this uh, scope creep, as I, you know, as I, as we tend to call it in the museum field, especially. You know, when you when you develop your collecting. Uh, initiatives and, and plans and your exhibit plans, you know, you, you try not to have scope creep. You, you try to keep very focused on uh, the topic or, you know, in the case of, of developing the collection, the mission statement, right? Because every institution has a, a mission statement and you try to stay focused to that. Uh, maybe that's the problem with collectors. We, we aren't, in our individual lives and in our, our personal lives, we don't have a mission, we do, a statement necessarily. Uh, uh, hopefully everybody has a mission in their life and, and goals, but you know, maybe with our collecting, we don't have a mission statement and a, a focus and you know, it's, it's, it's okay because it's our hobby. It's, it's our fun in life. So if, you know, something that we see that isn't specifically a car or, you know, if, if you're trying to focus your collection to, oh, I'm a, I am a uh, pre-World War One only collector. So let's call it, you know, horseless carriage, brass era collector. You know, you might have that focus with the vehicles, but again, you might go out and, and buy the signage that with went with those, you know, you you find the old hand painted wood signs or the early, you know, uh, enamel porcelain signs, and and start collecting those based on the cars you have in your collection, because it's fun. It's it's the hunt. It's the the adventure that trying to find those things and the stories that they lead to uh, to develop your collection, and and of course. As as we all know, you know, sometimes not with all vehicles, but but with certain vehicles, if if you have a lot of provenance around those vehicles, so not only documents from those vehicles, but 
also other parts of their stories, you're of course going to make that collection worth more in the end, right? You're going to be able to sell that collection for a greater value than if it was just the car and you're selling it, right? You can sell all those pieces with it. And it's the same, I'm sure, with the other hobbies like gun collecting or, um, you know, any of those other types of collecting out there. If you have more of the the history and, and more of the story behind that piece you've collected, then in the in, in the end, although, you know, not all of us have a goal of, you know, oh, it's just we're doing this to make money, right? It's not necessarily an investment sometimes. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But if you have that greater story, then you're probably going to be able to sell those pieces for a greater amount of money as a collection. I'm going to say I, I believe that. If anybody has an 87 LeBaron Turbo Convertible Pace Car Edition, I have all the dealership signage. I have the original key that had the Indy logo on it. I have the graphics, etc. cetera. Because uh, we never ha- installed that stuff on my mom's 87 LeBaron Pace Car Edition, Convertible Pace Car Edition, blah, blah, blah. So if you're looking, I've, I've got those and I really need to get rid of them. No promise on how good the uh, adhesive is on the vinyl after 40 years of storage. But, but I can see, you know, I guess where I'm thinking is we know all these collectors and they always get so distracted. And part of my consulting business in the past and part of what your job is right now as a uh, manager of collections and a museum curator is trying to keep focus on a collection. I was brought into a few collections to help. Let's pare down the stuff that doesn't belong. You know, I've got a Porsche collection, but I've also got a BMW and I've got, well, let's get rid of the BMW and get rid of this and maybe buy you another Porsche pre-COVID stuff before everything went crazy. But there takes some discipline. And I think some of these major collectors out there, those that may have a museum or those that just have a very nice personal collection do hire people to help them curate it. Do you think part of that motivation is to help them keep focused? Because when you have a hundred million dollars, you can buy anything you want except six Ferrari GTOs. You, you know, you're a cord collector with a lot of money and would it, be beneficial to have somebody curate, help you curate that collection so you don't get distracted by, you're not distracted by other things. Let's focus on this collection because that'll help it build value. Um, There used to be a gentleman who had a massive Tucker collection and all he would do is collect Tuckers. Very disciplined man. Did not have a curator or anything. Used to keep it in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. And when he passed away, it all went to the AACA Museum, and now there's a wing devoted to Tucker that was paid for paid for by his estate, and that's basically his collection there. He was that focused, but it was everything to do with Tucker, and I think that's okay is if you're focused that way. But 
it's so easy, like I said, to get distracted and that, oh, I know, well, I can make this. It has four wheels, so it's close to a Tucker. So I'm buying this Corvair. It's a rear engine four wheeled vehicle. They are exactly uh, the same. You're right, John. They're cool. Corvairs too. and Tuckers are exactly the same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you understand that's some sometimes the logic that gets used in our hobby. And when you, like I was saying, when you have more money than you know what to do with, it's easy to convince yourself of that. Now, I guess I'm going to say you have some discipline because you were able to acquire that wealth. But sometimes when it comes to having fun, you, you, you know, you, you lose focus. You're at Barry Jackson and three cocktails in and that Corvair goes across and your buddy goes, hey, that's rear engine. Why don't you get that? It goes next to your Tucker. Is that where it's good to have? somebody help you focus your collection is that why some of these bigger collections do have somebody to help the guy writing the checks curate that collection i think it goes down to your intent right uh, i mean that's where you got to start what is the intent of <clears throat> the collector is it just for fun and i just want to go out i've got you know i've i've been successful and i've got uh, you know, I, uh, an annual income of a hundred million dollars a year, uh, you know, and I have no worries in the world and I just want to buy cars that I think are fun and drive them around and enjoy them. Then I don't think you would need it. You know, if, if you're somebody that's just, you just want to buy what strikes your fancy and you want to have some fun. If your intent is investment, you know, and finding vehicles that are going to be bought at a good price today and increase their value over time so that you sell them in the future to make a profit, then yeah, you're going to need somebody that can help focus on that intent and that mission. Or if you're someone whose intent is to build a historically significant collection of automobiles, whether it be brand specific or uh, era specific or something of that nature, then yes, you're, unless you're someone who has studied that period inside and out and you know understands the development of those vehicles and what what vehicles are significant and which ones are not, then yeah, you're going to want somebody that is an expert in that, in developing that and putting together the most significant collection you possibly can have. You know, a few episodes ago, we talked about Peter Mullen and the Mullen Museum, a very, very focused collection. And, you know, Peter knew those cars, so he had a focus on those cars, but he also had people that helped him out develop that collection and, and understand you know, what vehicles should be in the collection and how to tell the story over time of the Bugattis and the uh, French Art Deco period. So again, you know, I really think it just goes back to the intent of the collector. Is that collector's intent to actually build something that's either you know, worth more money than he put into it so that he it's an investment and he can get he or she can get money out of it or 
are they trying to build a historically significant collection? Then yeah, unless again, unless you are that is your area of expertise, I think you need somebody to help and you need somebody to develop that collection alongside you. Now, but going back, if you're just doing it for fun, if you just want to go out and buy uh, you know, a Lamborghini and then a Ferrari and drive them and have fun and see which one's actually faster and, and better handling and all that, then yeah, I don't really think you need somebody. I'm sure you can do that on your own. It, to me, it come, always comes down to the intent, John. And I guess what you just summed up there makes a heck of a lot of sense. When you start curating and you start limiting, and I think start collecting with discipline, does the fun go away? I mean, there's the cha- a challenge. I guess Seinfeld's really big with his passion for the, I think it's the number nine. And he loves collecting things with nine in them. And of course, you know, he's got a passion for his Porsches and his VWs and he knows all of this stuff. So he's got the money and he's got the time and he needs to, I guess he needs to give himself a challenge to restrain himself a little bit uh, because with a billion dollars, you can buy just about anything. But I think for the most of us, and that's what we're looking at is this automotive hobby overall. Yeah, I guess there's a little bit fun in the discipline of the challenge of keeping the collection and finding these very unique portions of the collection or collectible items that are related to the core fun. But for me, the car hobby is a passion and fun. And while I'm not, you know, even a member of the two comma club, some days I'm not even a member of the one comma club. It's fun to be able to find things and acquire things and have things. I don't like getting rid of stuff. Yes, I'm a, I always say I'm an aspiring hoarder and my four or five storage units attest to that and say I'm kind of looking for a house right now and I stumbled across the perfect house. Very, very cheap. 700 square feet with a 2,000 square foot bar. Yes. Her storage facility. Yeah. And, And that's the way it should be. She didn't exactly see it that way. (laughs) <laughs> that's half the size of you know, John. I, I always say I look for a garage or barn for sale that comes with a house. Well, I always say I did it right. The first, well, second house I ever really bought in Virginia came was a thousand eighty eight square foot house with a eleven hundred square foot barn or building. So the building was still bigger than the house, and that's the key. Mm-hmm. I, I love a, a good property that comes with a detached house. Some, sometimes it's the acquisition or the fun. And I think part of mine is at least I stay focused to cigars or cars. And I usually will only buy on a deal. I don't like paying retail. And fortunately, with cigars and being in the industry, I get a lot of deals that way. Cars, I'm kind of in the industry, so I'm very much aware of the deals. And it's, I guess I've said before, there's always 
10 or 12 cars I want to acquire, but I know what I'm willing to pay for. I either eventually adjust to the market or the market adjusts to me or the right vehicle comes along, but I don't acquire them until that price works. I don't like negotiating too much. So I don't know. I don't think it. I'm going to go back to what our original intent is, and I'm going to say, no, we don't need uh, Adderall or anything to control our automotive ADHD. I think it's part of the hobby, and I think it's part of the fun of the hobby. Whether it's, ooh, look at this neat, shiny thing, and this neat, shiny thing, and this neat, shiny thing, and none of them are similar to the ADHD or the OCD that comes in the hobby of I'm a collector of this car and I have everything in my collection has got to be this. And I'm looking for the most obscure pieces. Um, I don't think it's a problem. It's people's different way of collecting and it's a little bit of an outlet. Maybe that, maybe they are a little bit OCD and that's, that allows them to focus it. Uh, maybe they are a little bit ADHD, but maybe that's the only portion in their life that they let their brain wander a little bit. So maybe it is good for you. Maybe. And as we sit here and we, I'm thinking of all these other hobbies, collecting pinball machines, collecting arcade games, like I said, knitting. Uh, there's people, you know, like you said, your your wife collects uh, plants and uh, canning jars. And there's... Just, you know, there's people collecting milk bottles. There's everybody, I think everybody or most, a lot of people have this. And I think it's a healthy thing because it lets you focus that ADHD or OCD, depending on how your collection is curated in your head. I'll sum up the show and say, no, nah, we don't have a problem. It's everybody else that judges us that has the problem. <laughs> well, when you sit here, when we started the show, we looked at, do we have a problem? Is this a problem? And you refer to it all often that so-and-so has automotive ADHD because they're here and they're here. They're kind of scatterbrained. But I guess you have to look at the whole picture. Are they that way in everything in life? And when somebody judges you for that, look at them and see... You, you know, you collect, you spend too much money on cars or, you know, you spend too much money on, I said, you spend too much money on cigars, but you have an 1100 bottle wine cellar. You know, what's the difference? I have 1100 cigars at 20 bucks a piece. You have 1100 bottles of wine at 20 to $500 a piece. And, you know, my cigars are 20 to 100, 150 a piece. So it. It's the same thing. It's just, where are we focusing? Don't judge me until you judge yourself. And when I'm thinking, like I said, comparing us to other collectors, I don't think those in the car hobby are that much different than any other collector. Now, the people that don't collect and throw everything away, I just don't understand them. They're the people with the problem. I like it, John. I, I, and I agree, you know, I mean, I look at myself and, you know, my, my collection uh, doesn't really make sense. Right. I mean, it's just, like I say, it's things that I enjoy and I like, and it doesn't really have a, a heavy focus 
And I'm okay with that. I like it. It's, it's fun for me. That's why it's a hobby because it's fun. And if I want to add something quirky to it and, and weird, then heck, if I can afford it, I'm probably going to do it again. I don't think it is a problem for any of us. Do, are we all a bit scatterbrained when it comes to our hobbies? Probably because again, it's a hobby. It's, it's something that it, it doesn't necessarily have to be perfectly focused. And in all honesty, I think it's almost better because it gives us the opportunity to learn something new about other things, right? I mean, if, if we're in the automotive hobby, but because we like the mechanical aspects of it, we go out and buy an old oil field engine because it's mechanical and cool. Well, now we're going to dive down the rabbit hole of old single cylinder engines from oil fields or hit and miss engines or whatever it might be. Uh, and that was one thing that, that kind of when you were, when you were talking about, you know, wine collecting versus cigar collecting, John, just because of the way my brain works, I have two questions for you in the cigar world. What is the most expensive cigar? And what is the oldest existing cigar? Do you know the answers to those? I, it, just something that I would be interested to learn. Actually, we did an episode on that, on Smoking Underground. And you can get pretty obscure. Are you talking the most expensive regular production cigar? Or are you talking the most expensive cigar in if history? today I had millions of dollars in my bank account, maybe, maybe approaching that billion dollar mark, and I went out and said, I want to buy the most expensive cigar that exists to this day doesn't have to be production it just the most expensive cigar that exists today i want it in my collection what is it is it a historic cigar that has been preserved is it something that's being produced today what what is it what do you i i just one of those things that my mind needs to know the most expensive cigar that's being produced today well, the most expensive, and you can actually still walk in and buy this. The most expensive cigar is the Gurkha Royal Cortisone Cigar. It is an infused cigar, which I hate infused cigars. But each cigar is infused with Remy Martin's Black Pearl Louis VIII. I believe that's a scotch. That sells for $224,000 a bottle. The cigar itself sells for $1.6 million per cigar. Or excuse me, $1.36 million per cigar. Wow. The oldest cigar is classified as the Mayan Sicar. S-I-C-A-R-S. And... Being Mayan, they sold a box, a collection of 800 of these cigars. And there's some discrepancy on really their role or whatever, but they're from the 12th century and they sold for half a million, 507,000 US dollars. Wow. 
So the oldest cigar you could say is 900 years old. The most expensive cigar is the Gurkha at 1.36 million. Gurkha has a reputation of having some of the most expensive cigars, kind of as a marketing thing. I have smoked one of the Gurkha Her Majesty's Reserve, which at the time was $1,100, but the only way you can get them is they'll give them to you at an event. So they produce these cigars. They tell you they're $1,100, and they I've seen them anywhere from $750 to about $1,400 a piece, supposedly, but you can only have them given to you. You can't buy them. So that's a write-off for them. So there's marketing in that. We don't want to get too deep into cigars, but a good everyday cigar. I have cigar. The shop I work in has cigars that are priced up to about $300 a cigar. Just like cars. It's how much do you want to spend? There you go. Hmm. There was a little non-automotive learning lesson. As they used to say on PBS, the more you know. Yeah. And it, uh, hopefully you stuck around through that because now we're going to go ahead and expand on some of the stuff we talked about on last week's episode and the format changes coming to no driving gloves that I think are going to make some people happy as we're returning to the live stream. And Derek and I have talked and we've started to put together some dates and then Derek, did you write down the date so that you can, uh, I'll let you inform the listeners of when the first official live stream is. Back up, John, come on now. Oh, come on. It's an easy date every four years. Yeah. So uh, we are going to continue the recorded podcasts that will be dropping over the next couple of weeks for those audio listeners out there that are still following us. But the first the first return to live streaming of No Driving Gloves is going to be on Thursday, February 29th, 2024, folks, because this is a leap year. And what better day to start than leap day and have a little fun with that one. That way we can only celebrate the anniversary of the return to live stream every four years. So it'll keep the podcast younger over time. So we're going to do that. If for those keen observers, you might see a test live stream sometime this month. But we're going to go ahead. Everything's still going to release audio. Our release schedule is going to change because of the live stream because we're going to live stream on Thursdays. Episodes will probably, full episodes will begin dropping on Mondays. And over the last couple of months, we've been doing daily episodes. And those have taken a slight backseat to this change, getting new graphics ready for the, the live show, uh, doing some show planning so we don't stumble right out of the gate going back live. But we're going to get back to the daily shows here in the very near future. And there might be some slight changes to that. We love doing this day in automotive history, but sometimes this day in automotive history, we get pretty desperate because some, some days the industry took the day off, which is weird considering in all of time. And we might start throwing some funny automotive stories or shorts and things in to, just to mix it up. The Daily Show's coming back. It's just kind of on this break during this change. I would look for those to probably start in a, you know, 
and say, what this, this is dropping that this, these shows right now, these recorded shows are probably Thursday and Friday releases. Like I said, there's just a lot going on with trying to get around. There's a lot of background things happening with the podcast and my production company. So it's affecting no driving gloves a little, but we're going to still come to you each week with a full show and we're going to get those daily shows out to you as soon as possible. Hope we hope you stick around. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. The live streams will be going to Facebook and YouTube to begin just like before. Uh, join us there. And we're going to see where this happen, how this happens. So don't don't forget about us audio for the next couple of weeks. Audio, we won't forget about you when we go video. We're looking forward to it. Give us some feedback. Give us some topic ideas for those live shows. We want that conversation. We want you to be there. I know it'll take us a few weeks to build back up a little bit of viewership and get you guys. Um, what do I want to say? Get that. Um, I can't think of what. No, your shyness to wear off. That's not what I want to say, but that's what I mean. Anything else, Derek? I think I'm uh, I'm good for this week, John. Looking forward to switching over to the live streams and having a little fun with our guests uh, again. Our, our I should say our viewers and listeners. Yeah. Other than that, looking forward to the next podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. We will talk to you later. And as always, now it's time to get off your ass and go burn some gas because John is out. This show was a part of the No Driving Gloves Network, produced and edited by John Viviani of Magic City Podcast, with voice work by Gary Conger. So until the next exit.